Thank you, Madison. Appreciate that heartfelt, sincere praise and exaltation of the Lord. And uh, just was reminded that we are born with chains that need to be broken. I pray that God's word would break some of those chains this morning. Well, we are in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And Jesus is blessed us with what we call the Sermon on the Mount because he was literally on a mountain or a mountainside when he delivered these words. What's he going to talk to us about this morning? Is he going to teach our hearts? How will he shepherd us? This passage is about let your yes be yes and your no be no. Wouldn't it be nice if everybody just said what they really meant? It's kind of a crazy idea, but wouldn't it be nice if everybody just said what they meant? Have you ever been in a conversation with someone and you're wondering to yourself, are they really telling me the truth? What, what? You're weighing out, you're judging. What do I think about this? Are these honest words? There's actually a series of commercials. I haven't seen them all um, yet, but I, I did see one on television, which I thought was quite humorous. And it literally asked that question. It's a Citibank commercial. Wouldn't it be nice if everybody just said what they really meant? And I think there's a series of them, but the one that I watched, <clears throat> there's this uh, new family that moves into the neighborhood. And so the existing neighbor to greet her shows up at the door with a pie, knocks on the door. And um, she says, I brought you this pie so I can see if you're weird. And what happens throughout the commercial is they're speaking to one another, but honesty is seeping into the conversation. What they're really thinking and meaning is seeping into the conversation. So she shows, shows up with this pie and, you know, in the neighborhood, you got a new neighbor. You kind of are curious what kind of people just moved in across the street. So this new neighbor sniffs the pie and she says, wow, that smells intrusive. <laughs> And then she says, you want to come in, maybe snoop around a bit? And the other neighbor says, that's why I'm here. And she walks in and it's at this time the narrator says, wouldn't it be great if everyone said what they meant? And then they just continue and they sit down at the table and uh, the new neighbor says, thank you for barging in like that. And she says, yes, yes. And if you need that, ever need anything, work it out on your own. And then the commercial ends and, of course, the idea is that uh, Citibank, I think this is double cash program, they're trying to advertise and convince us that when they say double cash, they mean it. You can trust them to say what they mean. Uh, I always get a little suspicious when somebody has to sell you on the fact that you, they can be trusted, kind of like Honest Larry's used cars. Um, you know, we sadly are in a culture where we've been lied to so many times and deceived so many times that it's, it's actually hard work. Uh, sometimes it takes an entire campaign to try to win you over to, to regain trust. And we see this in our corporations. Um, uh, the, the Verizon's competition, I think it's T-Mobile or Sprint. Anyway, it's the guy who used to say, can you hear me now? Um, and they're calling Verizon out on some things that they say is deceptive. And this is on public television because 
Verizon, it's common knowledge that when you sign up for their products, you don't always know really what the final bill is going to be. And somehow they can't, salespeople can't tell you what the final bill is going to be. You just have to wait and see what it is when you get it. Another, their competition is calling them out on this. Wouldn't it be nice if everybody just said what they really meant? How about me? How about you? How about us? Is that the way we speak to other people? Is that the way we speak to one another? Well, our passage this morning addresses that because it is about truth-telling or honesty and making oaths, being sincere in our words. So let's read this passage uh, of Jesus. Um, Jesus, of course, is telling his disciples what it means to be in the kingdom, what the kingdom is all about, uh, when you're in it. How do you act? How do you behave? And if we're going to build on the rock, if we're going to be in kingdom outposts, this is what God is calling us to individually and corporately. This is the kind of people he wants to be. This is the picture that he is painting for you and I. Verse 33 in Matthew chapter 5. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not make an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Wow. Jesus has a tendency to paint things in a different light than what we're used to. Evil, he calls it. Deceptions. Half-truths. Lies. Not keeping promises for whatever reason. So in our society, he's already talked about murders and he's already talked about adulterers. And now he's talking about the fact that there are people that don't always tell the truth. And apparently it's a problem or he would not address it. And telling the truth is not often as easy as it sounds like. It should be something straightforward. But with the nature that we're given, with with our proclivity to cover up truth, to sin, with the culture that we live in, with the world that we live in, there are lots of temptations to not tell the truth. As a matter of fact, sometimes in our own minds we can come up With more reasons to lie than we can to tell the truth. I remember, just faintly remember this scene as I was preparing the sermon that came into my mind. Um, It's uh, a scene, the comedian Kevin James is in this sitcom, I think it's called King of Queens. And he's a UPS driver, deliverer, and his character uh, really likes to eat. He likes his food. Uh, and he drives up into this, to this fast food drive through window and he's ordering a combo meal or something. And so he said, yeah, I want like this is just the way I recall it. It's probably not word for word. Number five, supersize it, please. And OK, well, that number five, will that be all? He says, yeah, that'll be all. But in his heart, that's not all he wants. He doesn't want just one combo meal. He really wants he's hungrier than that. He wants two. So then he says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, excuse me. Oh, make that a number four, too, with what? Supersize the number four as well. 
Now, there's nobody else in the truck with him. He is, he is making it sound like he doesn't want to expose himself like, oh, there's the UPS guy that he eats two meals at one time. So he pretends there's somebody else in the truck with him uh, to get another meal. And it's absolutely, absolutely hilarious and absolutely deceptive and absolutely wrong. Now, how important is it to be honest? Just to be honest. Have you ever, um, for, for no good reason, uh, missed a Sunday at church? Maybe two, maybe even three Sundays in a row you, you missed. Uh, you, were, you just, maybe you uh, stayed up too late watching movies. You were on a movie marathon and it was the Rocky series and there's five of them. And it, next thing you know, it's daylight and you're just too tired to go to church or uh, there, there's work to do. And it's something that you know you should miss church for. Anyway, you don't have a good reason for it. And you show up the next Sunday and the following series of Sundays. And some dear, loving Christian brother or sister greets you warmly and says, I've missed you. Where have you been? It's so glad to see you back. Where have you been? Is everything all right? Have you ever been tempted in that situation to not tell the truth? Do, do you want to say, well, actually, I've just been lazy. It's good to see you too. Or I was working. I just was playing. How important is it to be honest? You know, that's where, and we'll talk a little bit more about this very shortly. That's where Christians in particular often feel, fall prey to the temptation to lie. It is when we want to cover up our own ungodliness. It can become so important to have a godly persona. And we've worked so hard at it to build righteousness, to build a reputation that often Christians at different levels of their walk can be the most tempted to lie when it comes to covering up our own ungodliness. We don't like to be found out. Sometimes we have to find ourselves coming up with Creative ways to convince people that we're actually telling the truth because we're so used to being lied to. We're so used to people exaggerating. When I was a kid, um, we, we, we used to say this if you really, really meant it. You're telling somebody a story or something you did. You really meant it. Cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. I never knew anybody that actually stuck a needle in their eye. And I knew that not everybody was telling the truth because many times the stories were just too unbelievable. Sometimes they were. But we, we have to come up with ways to convince other people. Perhaps for you it was Scout's Honor. Uh, I was a Boy Scout for one year. I never learned whatever the secret thing is. But Scout's Honor, and that, that meant something. I mean, Scout's was a big thing at the time, Boy Scouts. So Scout's Honor meant you... You were a trustworthy person. Or we might say, may lightning strike me down if I am not telling the truth. Or we might make the oath of all oaths on my mother's grave. The idea is that this is someone of such great meaning and honor. And I have so much respect for this person. I would not dare defame her in any way, 
by telling you something that isn't true. So when I make this kind of oath, then you know for sure that what you're getting is the truth. Does God care about these things? Does he care about the integrity of our words? And what is Jesus saying about it? Well, let's look at this. And first we see the commandment itself. And of course, um, he's talking about the ninth of ten commandments to not bear false testimony. Don't be a false witness. In other words, simply put, do not lie. And that's the commandment that he is addressing. He's already addressed others. As you know, he's often addressing the Pharisees and the scribes. They need the most help, but they're the least likely to see that. And the Pharisees and scribes take God's word very seriously. Uh, They tried to apply it. Um, They knew it well in some ways, but most of the time they really got it wrong in the way they applied it. And they turned it into an entire system of works righteousness. And uh, Jesus is addressing them. In Jesus' day, this whole idea of making oaths, making promises, had become quite a circus and a fiasco, much like in our day today. And what had happened was a lot of ways of determining whether you are innocent or guilty in something that you've said and whether or not you've kept it, they, they based it on case law, case studies, case law. We have the same thing today. And Case law is when you take a situation that has been put through the court system, and they had courts and judges in that day as well. They had, a, they had a governmental system of ruling. And you take this particular situation that you're faced with, and you weigh the pros and cons. You know, did this person speak a lie? What were the consequences of it? Did they really mean it? And to what level or what degree was it spoken? And what were the negative consequences as a result of it? And they take these studies, the case law, and then they make decisions based on previous decisions that have been made in the courts. And so that's what Jesus was facing in his day, where this whole idea of lying and how guilty you are for doing it had been sliced and diced And, um, you know, was it a blatant lie? How serious was the lie? And so forth. And the result of this is that in that day it had become pretty much acceptable that you could make certain promises that were more important than others. And depending on what you swore on or what you made an oath to, depended on the sincerity of uh, breaking that promise. So, in other words, there are things you could say, deals you could enter into, promises you could make that could be broken and there would be little to no consequences based on the degree of sincerity when you made or spoke those words. So the system was that you the the more serious you became, the the closer to God and the presence of God, you you would swear to things. Uh, The less serious I swear by my head. Um, I swear on my head, I swear by my head is not that big of a deal. But when you start swearing by things that get closer and closer to God. So I swear by the holy city. Now you're getting somewhere because that's Jerusalem. That's where God lives in the presence of God. And then I swear by the altar. 
or the gold in the temple. The closer you closer you get to the presence of God, the idea is that you are representing God. The temple represents the person of God or I swear by the holy of holies, then that would really get people's attention. Man, he I don't think he's lying that he's going to swear by these kind of things. So the closer you got because it represents them and you're assuring the person that you're telling the truth by bringing God into it. Of course, God is to be revered and respected. So that's what the law had turned into. That's what truth telling had turned into making promises and commitments and so forth. It was basically a complicated circus and uh, people would excuse themselves from their commitments. Have you ever had anybody do that? Have you ever had somebody make a commitment to you? I will be there Tuesday. I will begin the job. I will call you Tuesday and we will get this done. And then absolutely no follow up and you never heard from them and no apology. What, what kind of society are we becoming or people we are are we becoming? Because um, that's what Jesus was faced with. It's a, it's a slippery slope of fudging truth, not meaning what we say. And it can become more acceptable in different circus, circles and less acceptable in others. So Jesus basically blows this whole system that they had concocted over the years, very earnestly, very diligently. They sliced it up and they had determined on their own what's worthy of punishment, what's worthy of truth. And Jesus is saying, you know, it's pretty ridiculous what you guys have come up with in the way you're applying this commandment that I have given to you. Because you can't swear to things of greater or less importance when you bring me into it because I'm everywhere. So it doesn't matter if you were in the temple when you made a commitment as opposed to way out in the wilderness. And it doesn't matter if you're in church. I mean, do we have more of a tendency to speak the truth in church? And then as soon as we get out the doors, by the time we're to the parking lot, our words have already begun to slip. And by the time we get home or into the workplace, God's saying, I'm everywhere. I, I know everything. I hear everything. Truth is truth. Truth is important in every situation, in every case. Uh, wherever you were when you said it, I own it. I own the hills. I own the temple. I own you, your head. You have hair because I put it there. So we shouldn't feel any safer pertaining to the place that we, we make an oath or make a promise or or speak truth or speak a lie. It doesn't work that way. Don't turn truth into that kind of system where there's levels to it. Truth doesn't. Jesus is in essence saying don't act like truth depends on your ability to keep it or your willingness to keep it. You don't come up with that kind of system. World wasn't created for that. It won't work like that. Societies fall like that. I'm sure you've seen this in movies and TV. You see it all the time. Uh, a, a guy or a girl walks into a bar. And as they're walking in, they slip off their wedding band. Stick it in their pocket. You know what's going to happen. 
they're looking to cheat on their spouse. And it's, they want to hide this symbol because this symbol is a representation of a commitment, of a promise that they made when they married this person before God, assumably, and other witnesses that were there to witness the promise that they made, the covenant that they made. And somehow hiding this symbol is supposed to ease my conscience or ease my guilt. Does it work? That's just a symbol. The truth in and of itself stands on its own as being very important, with or without the symbol, with or without the band. It's a principle. You can't escape God. Take the picture of Jesus or the cross off your wall in your house. And it doesn't make a difference. Doesn't mean that now we can let things slide, live a little more ungodly. Because God's not watching as tentatively as he was before. Don't our minds work in funny ways? But when you really love someone, you really appreciate someone, uh, you, you do things out of honor and love. You want to please them. So the Pharisees had come up with this whole system of works righteousness. Works are an exhausting. Keeping rules is exhausting. But that's what they were doing. In order to be able to justify themselves, I can keep this command. They sliced it and diced it and and reinterpreted it. Uh, They made it, brought it down and made it small enough and manageable bite-sized pieces where they could say to God, look what I just did. I abate this. Therefore, I am righteous and in a sense you owe me salvation. And Jesus is trying to redeem them from that kind of mindset, that kind of works righteousness. It's not the way grace works, whereas grace is God. God gives us salvation as a gift and then we walk in it because we love them. There's such a a big difference between grace and works. We we speak the truth because God has redeemed us. He did what we couldn't do. He saved us from eternal wrath. Therefore, I love him. I am indebted to him and I willingly die to self and speak the truth. It's by grace. And so we want to tell the truth because of our love and our gratitude to God. We're not earning our salvation. We can't earn something that God has already given us. So we're, we're, we're trying instead of trying to gain love. In other words, we're walking in the love And the salvation that God has already gained us. Just want to clarify that in here because that's what they were wrestling with. So we want to live before God equally at all times. Are there certain times, are there certain groups of people that we have a tendency to maybe get a little looser with our integrity? Under certain conditions. We don't want to create levels of truth. Jesus is basically there saying, look at the levels of truths that I am keeping or I'm living according to. And he's basically saying what that really is, is your system. It's a level of lies. You've come up with this whole system of excuses to getting out of things. So we want to be true no matter where we are. Just this morning, as I was reviewing this, I thought about parenting, man, parenting. Do we Speak truth to our kids or are we creating a little culture in our own homes where words really don't have that much weight or meaning? 
Do our kids know that when we say something in a certain way, we don't really mean it. But when our voice gets a little deeper or something comes out, you know, then that's when they actually obey because now we actually mean what we say. But we didn't mean what we say before said before that. Even within our own homes, we can get loose with our words and there's ways to get around that. We can you know, we don't have to make commitments every time. God's given us, he's created us with the ability to reason and to communicate. It's a gift because we're created in his image. We have very creative ways to use words where we don't have to trap ourselves like that. And by the way, um, if you're a parent with kids, you just have to know this. You probably already do. But when you say something to your kids, you make a promise or a statement, they actually believe you. And I know that in our adult world, we don't always know or take people at the word. But like if you tell a child, yeah, we're, we're going to go fishing this week. Uh, we're, we're going to King's Dominion this week. We're going camping or we'll probably get we'll get some ice cream tonight. When you when you say that to a child, their mind locks on it. They believe you and they start to think about it and they begin to anticipate it. It's a done deal. They just can't imagine anything otherwise. And then when we. In our adult world, say, say, oh, well, I'm sorry, it didn't work out tonight. Man, we, it means nothing to us. But to them, their whole world just sunk because they believed you so much that their mouth was already watering for the ice cream. They, they were already picturing themselves on the roller coaster at King's Dominion. We want to keep that in mind as parents and not even to get into politics. How honest is our political system? Uh, who who means what they say? I mean, one of the reasons that we have the upheaval that we do today is because uh, the saying is we elect people based on the pledges and promises and they get into position and then they don't do them. And we're in this kind of very disappointing cycle and we're paying. We're reaping the consequences as a nation, by the way. The political upheaval and the cultural situation, we are reaping what we sow. That's a biblical principle. And that's what we have. So it's, it's just being honest. That's the commandment here. That's what Jesus is after. Well, how do we apply the commandment then, secondly? Well, Jesus says in verse 37, let what you say be simply. Interesting that the all-wise God would say simply. Let's not complicate this thing. Here's what you do. Let what you say be simply yes Or no, anything more than this comes from evil. How about say what you mean? Mean what you say. Don't say this to one group because you feel safer. And then this to another group. Be a person of integrity. Keep it real. Your words represent the person that you are. What we do when we're speaking is we're representing our character. We're we're representing literally the kind of person we are. It's very, very important. Be a person of integrity. That word, we use it in math. It's the integer. Same word. And what is an integer? It's a whole number. It's, It's a number that hasn't been sliced or diced. It hasn't been fractured. And a person of integrity is the same. It's there's this wholeness. Through and through. In in every condition, in every situation. 
in, in every people group, there's just this wholeness of truthfulness that's going to come out. That's what you're going to get from this person. You're going to get truth. And they don't leave a trail of meaningless, broken promises behind. I mean, do we say what we mean? Do we mean what we say? Are we the same in public as we are in private? How about social media where there can actually be little to no accountability? What kind of persona do we present to people? How do we want to be perceived? How many different profiles do we have? And what do we choose to put on our profiles or keep away from them? What do we say about ourselves? Um, Is it an accurate picture? Are we just as true with people that we know well as we are with people that we've just met? Do we fudge the truth? Are we a whole person? So in Jesus' day, there's all these layers of truth. There's all these catchy situations, case laws, case studies, how much you really meant it. Very, very complicated. Our culture, I think, has the same little systems going on. It's very complicated. It can be like a system where we have gotten to the point where it's we've kind of mutually accepted and expected ourselves to fudge or lie in certain situations. It's an expectation. So, for instance, resumes. Uh, resumes. A good resume today, it's widely recepted, accepted. A good resume, you paint yourself in the best possible light as, as possible because the people that are looking to hire you, they don't want to read your junk. They just want to see what your potential is. They want to see you at your very best. And it has become accepted for us to frame our accomplishments in what I would say is an unrealistic light. So I could put on my resume an accomplished writer and published author, which sounds very impressive. What that means is I I wrote a few articles for the NCF newsletter and it went out. I mean, it was published and people read it. But I'm not a writer like John Rosima, who has done the hard work and he has literally written, authored and published a book. And, it, and it's accepted, and I don't quite understand it, and I'm, and I'm not in agreement with it, and you've got to wrestle with it, because sometimes it might mean, okay, if this job you want, this boss is looking at your resume, and he's going to read everybody else's spectacularness, and you're going to be honest, you're probably not going to get that job. But we've got to wrestle with that kind of stuff, integrity. It's really hard when that's the way the system works. Well, this is the way the system worked in Jesus's. Day. People were crafting words. They were making oaths to certain things in such a way that maybe they can get out of them. It, they were not truly representing who they were, what they meant, what they were saying. It was, it was a fractured system. I'm sure you've heard the term today, fake news. And the idea, it gets butchered, and the media is having fun with picking on the media... But it's the idea that there are people that are not really 
doing the research necessary and looking at all the facts behind things before they come up with a story and draw conclusions. And therefore, the, the article is really not true, completely true. It's fake. It's an interesting situation that we have gotten ourselves into. In his book, The Abolition of Man, C.S. Lewis says, We continue to clamor for those very qualities we are rendering impossible. There's, there's qualities that we need in our society in order for it to work, in our relationships, in our homes. And we are, um, we are rendering them impossible. We are actually destroying them, but we need them and we're looking for them. So he says, we laugh at honor and we're shocked to find traitors in our midst. We castrate and bid the geldings be fruitful. So, in other words, we're going to accept relativism. There's no standard. There's no real right and wrong. But we need right and wrong, and we need those standards. And, and, and so then when we get lied to and betrayed, we're shocked. But yet we have this culture where down here it's okay to do those things. Fractured. Our yes needs to be yes, and our no needs to be no. So then lastly, the, the cost of the commandment. Why, why is it hard when it sounds so simple to just say, just say what's true? And nobody likes to be on the other side of a lie. Nobody likes to be deceived. We all know what that feels like. We don't like it happened to us. So why is it so complicated? Why is it so difficult? When we, when we look at the Pharisees in this system, or I think about our judicial system sometimes. When a guy gets sentenced to life plus 100 years, and I think, life plus 100 years? How is that even possible? How can you be in there for your life, but then 100 years? And I know it's a complicated system of, well, what does life really mean? And some people get double life. You know, we're putting you in the slammer. You're never getting out. Um. But now you're really never getting out. And with another one, you're really, really not getting out. And some people with a life sentence get out. I mean, it's just it's, it's just a complicated system um, that is hard, very hard to follow. So how do we apply this? And we look at the Pharisees and we think, obviously, it's pretty silly of them to to think that they can make a, a level of oaths and escape from things. And perhaps we do the. You know, maybe we do this, cross our fingers, and I don't have to be, I don't have to keep this promise because my fingers were crossed behind my back where you didn't see them, kind of thing. And it's ridiculous. But perhaps the reason it's so difficult for us has something to do with verse 33. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. And that word perform has the idea of, of fulfilling what you said. In other words, paying what you said. You, you made a promise to the Lord or to another person. You, you've created this gap that has not yet happened and you need to fill it. You need to pay for it. You need to do what it takes to make your words happen. In other words, there's a cost to truth. Truth is costly. 
And that's why a lot of times that it's it becomes very difficult even for the best of us to maintain our integrity. We don't always want to pay the price. Well, in what way might we not want to pay the price? We often, whether you're a Christian or not, we have certain ways we want to be perceived, right? We want people to look at us and think certain things. Um, here I am preparing this sermon a few weeks ago. Uh, my own heart was exposed. And I just like stood in disbelief that, because that, this is for you, right? Um, anyway, I stood in disbelief because I'm really sincerely looking at this and how can you apply this? And then I literally was just given a situation in my own life. I'm, ah. Anyway, I was working on a trying to race a deadline for a a rental property and there was a lease. It was supposed to be effective. Both parties signed it legally August 1st. I knew I was running behind. Um, And fortunately, the tenant said, you know, I don't really need to move in to the first. I'm not moving until the to the 15th. And so I had some grace days in there and we agreed and things could be prorated. So it was already worked out. But. What I struggled with was I didn't want to tell this person that that I was the reason that we were running behind. I was the we. And so I I really didn't want to let them know because I want to be presented as a person that is a a landlord or a person that's trustworthy and reliable. If I say I'm going to have it ready by this date, it's going to be ready by this date. And I just really struggled. So in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I'll blame it on the floor guy. I, I, I was thinking, well, maybe I could say the floor guy is not going to get here in time, but I'm the floor guy. Now, I didn't act on this, but isn't it preposterous how our minds can reason? Here I am in God's word, exposed to God's word and my the the evil. Look at the evil wanting to rise up. Can you imagine the mess that would have caused if I would have lied like that? Now, understand what's happening here. And as I just sat in disbelief. You know, at my computer when this happened to me and I'm thinking, I want to lie to maintain my trustworthiness. I mean, how look how twisted evil can be. This is it, it's so powerful. And yet there's power to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. In the gospel of Christ or we, we might be a people pleaser and people pleasers. It's very important to be seen in a certain light and you don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers. You want to be um, seen as very kind, very nice. Last thing in the world you want is somebody to be upset with you and mad at you. Because you gain your security at what other people think about you in that way. And so sometimes people with that tendency might be tempted to not speak truth into other people's life or to withhold truth. Because if I say this, they're going to be mad at me and it messes up my whole system, my whole security system. So I'm not going to say that or I'm going to fudge it. I'm going to twist it. I'm going to uh, manipulate it in such a way that it can be said. But yet I still have my security. I, people will still like me because the thing I really fear is for people not to like me. These are very real, real temptations or the person that likes control. The person that likes control wants to be perceived as someone that is in control. I got my act together. 
And so they even want to control how you think about them. And so they only kind of filter things and let certain things out and let certain things in so that they can only be perceived as a person of control. Whereas the person that's a people pleaser will, will do anything to avoid saying something that will hurt your feelings. The person that wants to be in control doesn't mind hurting your feelings as long as you look at them as being a person that is in control. There's these temptations that come to us from different angles. But no matter what our personality is, uh, we all have this certain way that we want to be perceived and it can be threatened. And sometimes telling the truth is what threatens it. Being honest is what threatens it. And the battle for truthfulness, Jesus is saying it's fault in every little yes and no you say. So we have the big idea of the importance of truth and integrity and objective truth and standards and righteousness. But then we just have our daily battles and our conversations and the things that we're faced with. Even when we look in the mirror, being honest with ourselves, it's those daily battles that that make the difference in our lives. And for the kingdom of God, we have to live consistently with what we say. Why is truth so important or say the big picture of truth? Why is it so important? What's the big deal? Theologian Lewis Smead says that truth is the only way to to overcome the unpredictability of your future. In in a sense, it's the only way future you you have no control of it, of it. Right. But if you if you speak a promise or you make a commitment, then actually it becomes secure. It becomes a place of safety. So he says in the same way. Making promises and keeping them, making commitments, being true to people, being true, reliable, dependable, following through. It's the only way you can have freedom in the face of an unpredictable future. Ever think of it like that? I like what G.K. Chesterton says. He says, a promise is an appointment you make with yourself. If you make a promise, you know what you're going to be doing a week from now. Two weeks from now, a year from now, two years from now, ten years from now, you're going to be at a place because you promised. You're going to be for this person. You're going to be true to this commitment. It's incredible, really, if you think about it. The the reliability that we can have simply by keeping our word when we make a promise. I mean, can I say I'm going to be here next Sunday? I mean, I know there's unforeseen circumstances, but can you count on me showing up? Do, do you have to come to church every Sunday morning? Is the pastor going to show up today? Or you have to go home wondering, is mom and dad there? Do one of them leave again? The reliability, the safety, the security we get out of this thing called just daily truthfulness. Can brother and sister depend on brother and sister? We're building, we're building a world, we're building a kingdom. What's it based on? How safe are we when we take every step? Lewis Smead goes on to say, um, when you make a promise, you call the world to witness that you are not an animal pushed about by your feelings, by your moods, by your glands. You're not a machine, you're a human created in the image of God, in the image of a covenant-making God, created in the image of a promise-making God. God. Maybe our relationships isn't our relationship with God based on promise, covenant, our relationships with one another. 
We know that the world cares more about self than it does about truth. Isn't that what we're witnessing? Cares more about self. Make yourself happy. Do what makes you happy. The last thing in the world you want to do is get tied down. Happiness means freedom. Happiness, happiness means a lack of commitment. Don't get locked into things. But what about the business partnership that we agreed to? Sorry, I'm moving on. But what about the marriage ring and the marriage we agreed to? Sorry, I'm moving on. I can't get locked down with this stuff. Always keep your options open. God says, actually, you're in bondage. That kind of living. You got nothing. You got nothing. If you want security, you want truth, you want life, make a commitment, reasonable commitment. Say what you mean and stick to it. That's what we really long for, right? We really long for people that we can depend on. How can we see that the truth is worth the price as we wind down this morning? John 18, Jesus is, he's been captured. The Garden of Gethsemane has been brought before the Sanhedrin. He's now he's officially on trial. He will not live much longer. We know that. And in John 18, uh, he stands before them and they smack him. They slap him in the face. And here's what he says in verse 22. Jesus said this. One of the officials nearby struck him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest? He demanded. If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Jesus himself is putting himself under the scrutiny of falsehood and truthhood. If, if I just sinned, I stand to be corrected. But if I didn't, then why did you just punish me as if I did? They struck him because he is teaching the truth. They struck him because he is exposing them. They present themselves as wonderful leaders, as people of the book and the law that apply it properly as the truest form of worshipers you can get. And Jesus is saying you're false teachers and you're false worshipers. You worship false idols. And he gets smacked for it. And later on, same chapter, verse 37, he's standing before Pilate. You're the king then, Pilate said. Jesus said, you're right, saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. In other words, what Jesus is saying in this whole passage here is that I, I, I'm getting smacked for telling the truth. And I'm being put to death. I'm being lied about for telling the truth. I'm being whipped. I'm going to be pierced. And I'm going to be crucified and I'm going to die because I came into the world and I told the world the truth. There was a, a great cost for that. In order for me to do that, it costs me my life. There's a, there's a cost to truth. but He paid it. Isn't it incredible that there's a cost to truth and, and Jesus paid the price on the cross for all the lies we will ever told him will ever tell he lived the truth paid the penalty for us all the time we created anxiety in each other because we weren't honest this is the sun safe place jesus died on the cross for that 
All the time we propagated the evil he's talking about, propagated the darkness, the insecurities, the, the uncertainties. He paid the price for our lack of being willing to do what? Pay the price of truthfulness. And God looked into our heart and saw every bit of evil that was in there and every bit of evil that would ever come out and still loved us. And still invited us into his kingdom and not only lived a perfect life and took our penalty, saved us from eternal wrath of God. And then shuts the door and say, okay, you're not going to hell, but you can't come in here and be with me. He opens the door. Why? And said, not only that, but you are invited into my home. You are invited into my closest kinship and friendship and fellowship. Because of what Christ has done. He paid the price of truth. So we just want just to think as we close. Is this a place of integrity? Are, are we slipping in any way? Are we individuals of integrity? Are, is this a safe place? H- how many hidden levels are there? How many lies are there? I mean, are, are we an outpost? Are, are we the rock that we're building on, which means absolute integrity and truth of God's word? Or are we creating little systems of kind of circumventing truth so that our self can be on the altar, so that our persona can be on the throne? Can people trust our words? That's what God wants for us as his people. That's our calling. That's our meaning. It's one of our many missions in life to bring God glory. May the grace of God bring it about to the glory of God. And may he bless the preaching of his word.